are listening to a Commonwealth Bank of Australia Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. This podcast provides general market-related information and is not intended to be an investment research report. The information contained in this podcast is based on previously published material and before listening, you're advised to read the full Global Economic and Markets Research Disclaimers, which can be found at combankresearch.com.au. Welcome to the Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. My name is Belinda Allen and I'm a Senior Economist here at ComBank and today I'm joined by my fellow Australian Senior Economist, Christina Clifton. Christina, good to have you on. Hi, Belinda. We have had so much data out this week in terms of the Australian economy. We've had everything from house prices to building approvals, trade data, retail sales, the RBA. But I think what has been most interesting, maybe apart from the RBA, was the Mm Q1 national account. So we're going to spend this podcast talking about the GDP data and what it means and what it means for the outlook. Before we get into the nitty-gritty, though, kind of what were your overall takes on the data? Yes, so in terms of that Q1 result, we saw GDP expand by 1.8% in the quarter to be 1.1% higher over the year. Um, So that's telling us that that economic Uh, economic recovery that uh, we've seen in place for the last few quarters really continued into the start of this year. Perhaps more importantly, it showed that GDP is 0.8% above where it was in the December quarter of 2019, and that was before we saw any impacts in the data from from COVID. So at an aggregate level, we have now seen the economy uh, recover from the COVID downturn, Although it is important to note that there are still several industries that that haven't made a full recovery yet and and parts of the economy that haven't recovered. Um, Another thing that uh, really stood out in that data was that commodity prices, Mm. high commodity prices are really giving the the economy and and the recovery a helping hand. Particularly iron ore. That's right, particularly that very high iron ore price. And uh, we saw nominal GDP rise by 3.5%. So nominal GDP is the the broadest measure of income in the economy. So a 3.5% lift in the quarter uh, was a strong result. And Uh, that will actually benefit the budget bottom line. That's right. That means uh, stronger taxation receipts and, and a stronger budget. Um, Belinda, so we had a look at the data in detail together. I just wondered if you could share what was uh, your sort of biggest surprise from from the data. Well, certainly, I think apart from that headline number, which did come in stronger than consensus at 1.8%, I think for me it was looking at household savings. So what we saw over the COVID-19 period was that households and even businesses accumulated a significant amount of savings. We spent less than we earned over COVID-19 and we did see a further accumulation in those savings in the first quarter. So the savings rate remains elevated at 11.6% just to put some context around that. For the five years pre-COVID it did average a little bit above 5%. So we did think households enter 2021 with around $125 billion worth of savings and that would have accumulated even more in the first quarter. So consumers will be able to continue to spend over the course of 2021 and that will really obviously help the economic recovery and I guess given the recent situation in Victoria with lockdowns we do know that that savings will be there to help support the recovery. 
Yeah, that would, it's really supportive for the, the domestic dra- backdrop, that large pool of savings. Um, Belinda, can you talk us through what the drivers of growth in, in the quarter were? So on the expenditure side, where did we see the economy expand? So there are three different ways we can measure economic activity. So as you said, the expenditure side, so that's looking at spending in the economy. We can also look at income side, so where is that income being derived from and then the production side so what industries are producing growth so I'll start with the expenditure side so the biggest drivers of growth in the quarter was consumer spending so we did see that lift by 1.2 percent for the quarter interestingly what we did see in the first quarter was a larger lift in spending on services than goods. So that's kind of the reverse of what we saw in 2020. So there was a big lift in spending at hotels, cafes and restaurants as restrictions were eased. People got out and about eating and drinking outside the home. And we also spent more on recreation and culture as well as transport services. So I think that's really been driven by domestic tourism. Uh, We did also see quite a big lift in housing construction, we call it dwelling investment and also business investment as well. So the very successful home builder program did lead to a large lift in new building in the first quarter, but also renovation activity as well. And we had seen that in some of the leading indicators leading into that. And also business investment did lift by 4%. So the tax write-offs had led to the biggest lift in plant and equipment investment spend since the fourth quarter of 2009. So very strong gains and I think a welcome recovery in business investment which has been lagging in the Australian economy. We also look at the economy on the income side. So we're certainly continuing to see lift in wages and salaries being paid. So the lift in the headcount through lots of gains in employment certainly flowing through there. Company profits did fall in the quarter as a lot of those government support programs were tapered in the first quarter. But as you said at the start, a very strong lift in commodity prices. So that did see the terms of trade lift by 7.4% in the quarter. Also on the production side, when we look at what industries did add uh, to growth in the quarter, that agricultural sector was the standout, uh, which would be a welcome relief for that sector. So we've seen an easing of drought conditions, improved weather conditions, and also things like the wheat crop did lead to strong gains in the ag sector, whereas there are some sectors, as you said, that are still below its pre-COVID level. So administration in particular and transport are still lagging behind We also like to look at growth by the state economies and there's certainly some interesting results there. It's it's like when we look at the economy, there's certainly a lot of variation going on in the components of growth and also the state economies as well. What did you note when you looked at the various state economies? Yeah, well, these uh, these numbers for the different states and territories, they, they strip out exports and imports, so they're only looking at, at state final demand. Uh, but what we saw is that uh, all jurisdictions expanded in the quarter, with the exception of the Northern Territory. Uh, their economy attracted in, contracted in Q1. Uh, the standouts in Q1, though, in terms of the strongest growth rates were, were uh, WA. So the WA economy expanded by 3%. 
uh, and that was because of very strong business investment mm. uh, and also strong public capex uh, as well, so more infrastructure in, in the WA economy. Uh, and WA has certainly led the pack in terms of having the, the smallest downturn through the pandemic and they've also seen quite quite a, a sharp recovery as well. So they're now the highest level uh, since pre-COVID of all the states. That's right. Um, Victoria also expanded mm. quite strongly as well in the first quarter. Uh, so state final demand was up by 2.3%. Uh, for Victoria, though, uh, that's the one jurisdiction that hasn't uh, recovered to its pre-COVID levels yet. Uh, we still haven't seen that uh, stronger in business investment really mm. come through in Victoria yet. There might be some reluctance given the, the long period of lockdowns and restrictions based in uh, Victoria and this latest lockdown might again be a little bit of a setback in terms of uh, business confidence in Victoria. And we'll certainly see uh, the what will now be a two-week lockdown in Victoria impact the next set of numbers. That's right. Now, so that's GDP, which is big enough in itself, but we also had the RBA meeting this week, the June meeting. Now, we weren't expecting too many surprises. Leading into this meeting, the RBA had already told everyone that at the July meeting, that's when they were going to make announcements around its yield curve control program and also its quantitative easing program. Did we learn anything new from the RBA this week? Uh, there wasn't anything particularly new in the RBA statement uh, this week and, and for the June meeting, although they did admit one uh, sentence just referring to the QE program. Yeah. Um, they have made it clear that the July meeting they will be announcing whether they will continue to target that April 24 bond for uh, which was originally their three-year yeah. bond yield target or whether they'll shift to the November 24 bond. Uh, and they will also be announcing what they're planning to do with QE, so whether they plan to undertake a third round of bond purchases. Uh, just looking at the strength in the domestic economy at the moment uh, and the fact that we are starting to see some signs of uh, stronger wages pressures mm. and inflationary pressures coming through in the data. We think that the RBA will stick to targeting that April 24 bond uh, and we do expect them to announce that they will uh, taper their QE. So we do expect a, th uh, a third round of bond purchases uh, but only $50 billion over six months rather than the last two programs which have been $100 billion. It's certainly setting us up for a lot of excitement at that July board meeting. That's right. Between now and then, though, we will get a look at the RBA board meeting minutes, which comes out two weeks after that board meeting. So I think all eyes will be definitely focused on that. There's also a speech by Governor Lowe uh, later in June, which will be very much focused on. And we do note in the RBA calendar of events, there is a press conference being put in just after that July board meeting. So no doubt that Governor Lowe will run through the decisions that have been taken at that meeting. Yeah, a press conference is a little unusual yes. for the RBA. They, they don't do that following every meeting. Uh, we did have one following uh, the March meeting last year and also the, the November, November meeting yep. when there were significant changes announced. So I think uh, the fact that that press conference is set up suggests that there'll be something uh, worth watching at that next meeting. Certainly gotten everyone here and in markets very excited at that prospect. Definitely. Christina, thank you very much for helping me run through what has happened in the national accounts and the RBA. 
Thanks, Belinda. Now, you can read our report on the GDP write-up, uh, which was published on the 2nd of June 2021 at combankresearch.com.au and you can also find there our write-up of the RBA board meeting, which was on the 1st of June 2021 at that same address. Thank you.